0: Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1960s Breathless, directed by Jean-Luc Godard. Mm. But before we do that, Dave, let's talk about what we've been watching. What have you been watching?
1: I re-watched a movie from 2000 called Dancer in the Dark. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a really excellent movie from Lars von Trier. It's a musical. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the musical interludes happen in the mind of the fe- female protagonist played by Bjork. I'd forgotten how good this movie was and it's now it's not a lighthearted romp as anyone's well, expecting, you know, yeah, not from Von Trier. No, of course not. Um, he, he, he doesn't know how to make cheerful films, <laughs> nope. um, but, but there are moments of, of like, you know, good times in the film. So everybody should check this out if you're ready for a really depressing story in the end
0: with a lot of good music.
1: Yes. With a lot of great music. And, uh, you know, uh, in addition to Bjork, there's Catherine Deneuve and Peter Stormare and Joel Gray. Okay. For any
0: musical fans. All right. Take that, people. Yeah. I watched, I I mentioned it last week and I wanted to talk about it more. I watched Casablanca for the first time. Sure. It was long overdue. I remember probably 80 episodes ago I said, you know what? (laughs) I've never seen this movie. (laughs) Yeah, So I bought it on Blu-ray and about 80 episodes later I finally watched it. Sweet. So yeah, this movie's great, man. I understand why everybody loves it. Yeah, it sure Um, is good. It's really good. It's got everything old Hollywood you want, right. plus it's got stuff that stands up to the test of time, yes. you know, that's always going to be a universal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was really good.
1: Um, And I, I would say that like Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman are kind of underrated as actors in mm-hmm. general.
0: Yeah, they probably are.
1: Humphrey's a movie star. That's what know, he's known as, as being a big movie star. Yeah,
0: but he actually does good in this. Right. Like he won for the African Queen, right. but... I didn't think he was that great in African Queen. If you ask, I mean, he's okay. He, he's but... much
1: better in To Have and Have Not and The Big Sleep and mm-hmm. and Casablanca and those kinds of movies. Yeah, he's he was a stage guy who became a movie star, and mm-hmm. and it's it really shows in a lot of his performances. He's got a theater background, and he's he's a true thespian.
0: Yeah, and, and he's really good in this movie. Right. So, um, I thought it slowed down and like at the end of the second act, kind of. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, the ending was just didn't matter. Right. It was so good. Right. So Casablanca is awesome, it's... as it as everyone says. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's what I've been watching. Good. So now let's talk about another important film mm-hmm. called Breathless Dave. Yeah, why don't you give everyone a synopsis?
1: Okay, so to get everyone started just to, to let you know, um, this is you know one of our uh, it's, it's one of our unofficial like AP courses. And the dude's on Movies <laughs> Canon, <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> you are now enrolled. That's right, exactly. This is advanced placement stuff. And look, it's advanced placement for us, too. We'll just say that right off the top. Right. Um, we, we are we are film appreciators. We, we love movies. It's pretty much our whole lives. Uh, but the French New Wave is a blind spot for both of us, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm not extremely familiar with a lot of it. Right. I've seen a handful of movies. Yeah. Not even... I could count them on one hand. Me too. So this is considered... The film that changed film—that's right—by many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, John luc Godard. He didn't start the movement. A lot of people say it was the Four Hundred Blows, which yeah. came out in fifty-nine. Right. But this is the film. Uh, Godard has said this is the film that ended old cinema. It didn't start new cinema. Okay, that's how he thinks of it. That's fair. Which I guess you can see. Yes. I don't know. Um, I'm not well versed enough to tell.
1: I mean, it's <laughs> it like if even if we're not well versed in in you know. In movies of that period from France, I think that we can look at it, and if you compare it to American cinema around the same time, mm-hmm. I mean, good lord, uh, Mike
0: Nichols movies. Yes, like uh, yeah.
1: who who else can we can we name like of American filmmakers that 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 have this style? I mean, I, I guess Sweet Smell of Success has kind of a European feel when you look at it from you Little know bit, yeah. like a different you know perspective, but like it doesn't look like this. This is what we're looking at in this movie is like modernity.
0: It looks like Reservoir Dogs. It I
1: mean, does. It, it it's it's so it looks like you know early '90s independent cinema. Yep. Um, and so it shows you how far ahead of its time th- this this movement was.
0: Yeah. Um, and a few of the things I guess we got to get this history lesson out before we talk yeah. about the movie. Sure. And I'm sure we'll keep hounding on it a little bit, but before this movie. Everything looked like an old Hollywood movie. You I know. know. You could be like, that's an old-timey movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: I know. Yeah, like, of course.
0: Like Even with Casablanca, it's like, okay, there's a formula to the way these movies are made and yes. the way they look. Yes. And up to the 60s, everything looked like that. Almost everything. I know. And then after this movie, they broke all the rules. It's done through editing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, handheld cameras and right. stuff. Focusing on realism and things like that. Right. And mm-hmm. Just... Uh, It looked naturalistic. Uh, Everything about it just was different from everything that came before it. Exactly. A total departure from what we know of as the movies Mm
1: -hmm. um, is what's on display here. And like every generation or so, there's kind of a new movement in any art form um, that that seeks to kind of make over the artistic process. Mm -hmm. Um, And the people who were behind that movement kind of doggedly adhere to the movement's principles. Yeah. And it it (laughs) happened, you know... (laughs) Uh, it happened in America in in the 20s and then it happened in 1960 in France mm-hmm. and um, and when you compare the like the new work to the work that's being rebelled against, um, like the old stuff can look kind of desperately old like you just described yeah um, Casablanca while being an excellent film and what we know of as traditional old Hollywood that will never die, it's only 19 years later and look what we have in breathless yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's 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 not even the same medium, almost.
0: Yeah, it's uh, totally different.
1: This looks like a documentary for for you know for all it intents is. and what purposes. What is that? Cinema
0: verite. Cinema verite, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and and I think that comes from like fly on the wall filmmaking, okay. or something like that. Sure. It, like you said, it's almost documentary like. Yes. Like it doesn't look like they're on a set. Nope. I mean, you don't have to be on a set. You can be on location, but it doesn't look like they're being filmed. They just seem like <laughs> these are normal people doing yeah. things. They don't know the camera's there. Yeah, certainly. the camera's not there. Right. That's, that, that's the gist of it. They, yep. you don't, they don't know the camera's there.
1: And, you know, like, what's weird, though, is that, like, s- since they are filming by in, like, this gorilla style, when you're walking down the street and it's just a two-shot of people, like, walking two abreast... Right, right. These two actors might not know the cameras there, but everybody else in Paris knows the cameras there. They're all spiking the camera. Are they? I didn't even look. Yeah, (laughs) if you look around, like, Jean-Paul Balmondo and Gene Seberg, like, everybody is kind of like, they're walking to their destination, and then Uh they're looking back like, what's going on? I mean,
0: I don't even know if, like, if Godard had permits. I mean, you know. I'm sure he didn't. Right. (laughs) He broke every rule, apparently. Right. And a little more background on the movie, they... He didn't even hire like a sound crew. Yeah. They had to redub the movie later. And yes. And and then he would change the the dialogue. <laughs> so like if you you're looking looking at the movie, the lips aren't matching up with every single thing. Like, it's not. Yeah. Um and at that time, like we said <laughs> this movie changed how movies were made. That's right. No one saw people walking down a street with a camera. Exactly.
1: It was it was totally unprecedented no matter what country you were in. Mhm. Um, and like to now with what we have today, where, where anybody can, can do something like this and put it on YouTube for free. And it's all, you know, it's so simple. You can shoot an entire feature film on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to remember that this was in a time where, where such a thing just wasn't done. Yeah. I mean,
0: what, was the Steadicam just invented around this time? did. I I'm not I I know sure. it's yeah. close to this time. Okay, that ma- that, that makes, makes sense. was really used heavily in the 70s. Yes. Yes. Um but yeah, I don't I yeah, they, I'm doubt they used Steadicam in this. I I yeah. can't
1: remember like it seeing any of that, any of those effects in any American film, you know, before the mm-hmm. 70s. Uh like well maybe maybe before Easy Rider. Yeah. You know, um mm-hmm. which uh, 69 69, yeah. right. But yeah, like th- th- this stuff was was th- th- there there was no template for what they were doing and um, and you know, when you use a steady cam like that and it's brand new, there's a reason why you're getting seasick watching this movie right. sometimes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you're driving yep. down a country road, um, and it's there, and then there's jump cuts on top of it. I mean, good Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you get a little dizzy.
0: Yeah. And the end of the movie when there's the shot, when Michelle, mm-hmm. uh, the main character of the movie, the anti-tagonist, protagonist, uh-huh. anti-protagonist. Uh, okay. The end. An- yes. Yeah. Anti-protagonist. <laughs> yeah. <sure. laughs> Um the camera's following him down the street while he's stumbling down it mm-hmm. and it's going for about a minute or two Yeah that that is that is a steady cam shot, not done with a Steadicam. Like, and that looks great, <laughs> right? I don't know how they're doing it. They might, might just be hauling around this big camera on their shoulders because yeah. there's no tracks there for like a dolly to go on or anything. no.
1: And if and if they put a guy on a dolly, maybe there's like two guys like holding him as he holds the camera. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean that's the only way you
0: could do it, right? <laughs> Which I doubt they did. No, because this movie was made with like no money. Yes, well, relatively speaking for the time. Sure, guerrilla filmmaking. Like, mm-hmm. They are doing what they can. With whatever they got, right, and they don't care, and their lighting,
1: even even that was nothing.
0: Yeah, they they didn't even have lighting on r- really anything. So I know weird. they used special film, like it was photography okay. film, okay, to to get more light into the lens. That there. makes sense. Yeah, I'm is Barry Lyndon stuff before <laughs> Barry Lyndon. <laughs> exactly, with it NASA yes. telescopes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, um, boy, I skipped over the synopsis. Well, this is you the know, synopsis. I guess this is real, yeah. Because <laughs> what we're doing here, everybody, is um, like like just giving you we're we're we we're, we're letting you in on what yeah. was film school for us watching Jean Luc Godard and the French New Wave be born. You
0: warned him. yeah. So I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Na- okay, so now why don't we just talk about the movie itself? You got it. That okay. sounds great. How about a synopsis now?
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a there's a guy in, uh, in in he's a young man. He is a a young hood, a criminal who is obsessed with uh, Humphrey Bogart. Ironically.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um, I watched Casablanca an hour before I watched breathless. So actually, cool. I was
1: thinking about it while yeah. you brought, it, I was like, Oh my God, he just keeps coming up. Bogeys <laughs> everywhere. Yep.
0: Um, but
1: like uh, he, he's, he's, he's not only is he obsessed with the films, but he's obsessed with the mannerisms. He models himself after, you know, yeah. a cool guy, Humphrey Bogart character. And um, he's also a criminal. And he is um, on the run from the cops because he has murdered a motorcycle policeman um, after he stole a car. And he has a friend in Paris, played by Gene Seberg, an American expatriate, who uh, makes her living selling newspapers and is also trying to become a journalist. Mm -hmm. And they are somewhat in love, uh, back and forth. They don't know they're in love or they'd like to be in love. It's it's kind of ambiguous, even though they they fancy one another physically. Mm -hmm. And we just get to watch their dynamic play out Mm -hmm. all over Paris it's kind of like the original you know in some ways maybe you can see where Richard Linklater got his before sunrise you know his before yeah, trilogy I ideas. wonder
0: if he thought of this
1: I'm sure he I, I am I am certain that like he was eminently familiar with all of the films that we that are in this movie
0: yeah I'm sure yeah and he he's a philosophy guy of course and they talk about you know philosoph- philosophical things in the film they talk about in life this one so yeah. they're talking about life yep and I guess let's we'll talk about the the hotel scene Yes. Um, since we're kind of approaching that, you know, because that's uh-huh. where a lot of this happens. Right. It's the so centerpiece if, of the film, really. Yeah. If you know this movie and you think about Breathless, this is probably the first thing that will jump in your head. This yeah. is some of the most famous stuff. It's just a bunch of really long takes where there's no action or anything. Mm-hmm. And it's just our two main characters there talking about why they want to be around each other or mm-hmm. what they're going to do mm-hmm. and just talking about life, really. <laughs> just... The day to day, of hanging out with someone, and it's really,
1: it's enigmatic dialogue. I mean, like y- you, you can't. If you see this the first time, you, you're 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 having trouble kind of understanding. Like, there, there's no real through line to yeah. anything they're saying. Yeah, um, it, it, it's, it's a, just
0: time passing. Yes. for these two people.
1: They, they they seem very bored sometimes. Yeah. Um. With with life itself and even with each other. But like their physicality and their their overwhelming desire for one another. You yeah. know, keeps them interested.
0: Yeah. And, and Michelle keeps trying to get Patricia to sleep with him. Yes. Like th- the, that's the only thing going through this whole thing. <laughs> yes. Actually, the whole movie just wants her to sleep with him again.
1: He's just interested in in like enjoying mm-hmm. her physically and. And she puts him in his place every time she doesn't want to, you know, go through with it. exactly. She slaps him in the face. She slaps his hand. Yep, he um, likes it. And he's kind of into (laughs) that, you know?
0: (laughs) And, yeah, he's really into this physical aspect of their relationship. But even before this, he's talking to one of his, you know, guys on the street, you know, because he's, you know, a low-rent hood. Yeah. He's talking to some contact he has, and he's like, I got to go with this girl. I don't know why I like her. Um. (laughs) She's not as pretty as the other girls, or something uh-huh. he says. But she she makes me feel something. He, i, I and, forget and, exactly the line, but yeah. there's a little more right. than Th- just there's, the there's physical attraction. Else there, yeah. yeah,
1: and yeah, he does. He does say to the one guy, she, the guy asked me, "Is she pretty?" And he goes, "Uh, you know, not as pretty as it, but she makes me laugh. Um, uh, yeah. she's funny, and yeah. you know, like like the idea of of this man, this this hood, who only is interested in one thing." Actually, being able to appreciate a woman for more than her physical beauty yeah. is she must be something, and and it, it must have some that there must be something affecting him here that that is uh, like beyond the physical.
0: Yeah, and uh, until he says this, we see him only as the most misogynistic guy. Of course, he, he, the opening in the movie is him looking at some lingerie magazine, saying he's an asshole. Yeah, you know? that's, that's that's the, the f- opening th- line. The opening line. After is, all, I'm an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> And then you see him go try to take advantage of this other woman he knows by getting money from her. Right. And, like, the way he's treating Patricia the whole time. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, okay, this guy doesn't – he can't see past this physical beauty that he sees. Right. But at this moment when he says that, you can – you know, okay, maybe there is a little more to him. It's – I but mean, it's not much. It's, 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 it's
1: <laughs> I know. It's, it's just like a, a little, a little bobbin of of feeling mm-hmm. that is in there, and and like m- maybe in that way, he's he's kind of a Stanley Kowalski type. Mm-hmm. It, the reasons in Streetcar when when. Like Blanche is semi-attracted to Stanley is because yeah. he's so he's just so full of rugged masculinity. She knows it's against her better nature to like spend any time with this man. Yeah, but she just can't avert her gaze from his, you know, uh, obvious sexual charisma. Right. And in this way, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, so you got shirtless Jean Paul Jean Paul Belmondo on the bed, and and he's just you know telling her to come here, and she she's better than this man.
0: Yeah, she definitely is. You know, and- most people are better than this guy. <laughs> It's not tough, he's you're right. A, he's not a nice guy. <laughs> no, he's not. Why do we keep doing movies about people who <laughs> suck? Dude, I, because,
1: <laughs> I, I, I think it's because that, that's kind of what real life is. Like like the best, yeah. the best films reflect, you know, the best pieces of art reflect real life. So, I mean, anything with an anti-hero that we can kind of identify with somewhat right. maybe grabs
0: us. And that's funny you said that because I was going to say, you know, we see that sprinkle of him having some kind of respect for women. Yeah. But... Guys like this in real life, they they probably aren't like that at all. They maybe they have a sprinkle. Maybe But they yeah, don't care. Yeah, that's you're and right. that's that's all we see in this movie. Right. You know? Right. Because that's how he is, and the movie is trying to be I guess very realistic in a way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's who this guy is, and that's how he would behave. And yes. That's how he would think. Mm-hmm. And that's what you would see. You know, as right. a person on the street, right. as a fly on the wall, <laughs> as it were, Yeah, you wouldn't hear his interior monologue, you know, fighting his own demons about how he views women. No, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't. You wouldn't see that. Hmm. So what you get on the camera is what you would see in real life. That's true. It's it's it's
1: very surface until he opens his mouth. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, there's fourth wall breaking in the movie, too. That's right. Which is pretty cool. I don't know if this is the first time it's ever been done. I doubt it. But used in this way... Probably, yeah. It, it's
1: it's like even if it wasn't, I, I'm sure it's not the first time, but it, but it definitely feels like something new because you're watching something, you know, something new. And I mean, we're, we're reacting to the newness of the French New Wave because it's new to us, but it's also because we weren't expecting to see a movie from 1960 have this kind of, you know, inventiveness. Mm-hmm. And so when when someone talks to the camera, uh, an effect we've seen in every sitcom in the world, mm-hmm. uh,
0: man, it really is like. It, it's a spectacle yeah. and it grabs you. And you know what? We saw it in M. At the end of M, the That's woman right. uh, waiting in the hallway talks to the camera directly, to the audience. Was well, that yeah. part
1: one of our AP classes? Maybe. I, it probably was. M- maybe M was the opening. Okay. Yeah, that was first hour. <laughs> <So>
0: <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Peter Lorre. Uh,
1: amazing. Blanca. God.
0: You know, it's it comes, yeah. all comes around to Casa Man. <laughs> it's all come. I, wow. Jeez. <laughs>
1: We, we had no the idea French this was new happening. Wave, I, yes, everybody. of course, the French new Whatever. wave ma- puts everything together.
0: <laughs> Jeez, you know, some people probably think that.
1: Uh, of course like, they do. Oh,
0: the whole world revolves around it.
1: Yes, well, th- and it's like I said earlier with with like you know the the people who are starting a movement. I mean, like like. I'm sure it was hard to be around these people when it was going on because they probably were so proud of themselves and so full of their mm-hmm. own, you know, artists. I mean, like, you, you've been around, like, highly artistic people before. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're not fun to hang out with sometimes. Yeah. You know.
0: Stanley Kubrick probably wasn't too fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Stanley Kubrick doesn't seem like a fun guy. I mean, like like, geniuses are tough to be around because they're so wrapped up in whatever their, you know, whatever their medium is. And I know <laughs> that these people probably thought, I I, we we have we are achieving something that has not been done before, which they have been.
0: Do you think they were thinking that, or they just were? They got lucky that that because they wanted to fight the system Mm. and do something new, and different. That it just picked up. Like, well, I don't know. I mean, I know they were trying to make different kinds of movies. Yeah, you know, because they all most of these guys like Godard and Truffaut and stuff were all film critics beforehand that said, you know what? This stuff is shit. Let's make some other movies.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, what what they're rebelling against is like French cinema up to that time. Yeah. And like what they were obsessed with Which was with,
0: very Hollywood influenced.
1: And it was, but mm-hmm. but but like they really loved old Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, like like you you mentioned Truffaut being a film critic. I mean, Cahiers de Cinéma was like they 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 all they wrote about was, you know, like American, mm-hmm. you know, the American movies, the stuff we we know of as classic Hollywood. Um, it's weird with film nerds. They're always obsessed with something that's not f- of their country, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. If you watch this, I remember watching this movie uh, from on IFC. It was a documentary called A Decade Under the Influence. It had uh, like all the, the most famous filmmakers in America who, who kind of came to prominence in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So like Peter Bogdanovich and Martin Scorsese and Coppola and everybody yeah. we know. right? right. Um, and Polly Platt, who, who was Peter Bogdanovich's wife and was also a production, uh, she was also a producer on a lot of his films, Um, She was talking about how Calle du Cinema, reading that when she was in college, really helped her to appreciate American film.
0: Okay, wow.
1: She had rejected it Mm. because she was always going to midnight screenings of, you know, like Godard and Truffaut. Right. And she was like, oh, John Ford and Howard Hawks are pretty good too.
0: That's really funny that she was rebelling against the old Hollywood system (laughs) because of something these French New Wave people did. And then started to appreciate the system she was fighting against because... The new wave appreciated it. <laughs> it's Isn't so that weird. crazy? I know. I know. <laughs> you you can't explain it, man. It's it's yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, the,
0: this French new wave we keep talking about, we keep talking about it a lot because it was very important. Yeah, very influential. Like like we said, um, it changed movies mm-hmm. all around the world. No doubt. After this, Japan and you know Brazil everywhere was oh, of making course. yeah movies that look. Modern, quote unquote. Right.
1: We're so, only concentrating on one country when it's happening everywhere.
0: Sorry if we keep beating it like a dead horse.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you want to hear about the movie.
0: Yeah. Um, let's talk about the movie.
1: Yeah, let's get back to the movie. What, what else did
0: you want to talk about?
1: <laughs> um. I, I, I guess, okay, so So like the the actual, um, when a movie has two characters mm-hmm. and that's kind of all you're clinging to, Everything else that, that's happening around it like like kind of it doesn't feel extraneous but but it feels like a movie especially when two characters are kind of fleshed out as well as these two are mm-hmm. um, we, we know them as we know real people So when the detective who's on the case who's trying to get Michelle mm-hmm. is kind of snooping around is coming is, and is uh, like interviewing everybody who, who we've seen Michelle interact with, mm-hmm god it just occurred to me this damn french new wave thing that keeps coming back um (laughs) his the other the other detective that's with him is almost self-consciously behaving like a movie detective he's dressed like one of the reservoir dogs
0: Uh and he's
1: smoking a cigarette and he just looks tough (laughs) like that's all he's doing he's almost like one of the like the guys in the band apart logo Uh uh-huh you know Uh oh wow I can't yeah, it's inescapable everybody you, you you just like it's impossible not to like like see all the stuff that, that we would know to become movies that was in this almost 60 years ago holy shit
0: yeah you said they're like the only two people in the movie really. I know wow I thought there were a few more there's a couple scenes where people talk, but yeah, really, it's just these two people. It's Michelle and Patricia,
1: right? That's I mean it. the the only the only other kind of memorable scene is is the the the, the one where he where he talks to his friend at the who, the guy who's running the travel agency, mm-hmm. um, who's who's supposed to like you know hook him up with his Italian friend, yeah, because um, he wants to go to Rome. Yeah, he wants to escape to Rome, and he wants and he wants uh like uh, yeah, he wants Patricia to Patri- come with yeah. her, come with him. Well, after he talks to the guy at the travel agency, the cops come in, and the first they ask him, "Have you seen this guy, Michelle?" And he says, "No, I haven't seen him." Then the cop does a smart thing and asks one of the other ladies who's working there, "Hey, have you seen this man?" And she goes, "Yeah, he was just here." and then she kind of like gets in the face of Michelle's friend.
0: She does it like a what? Uh What? Uh, Yeah, she says like,
1: "Come at me!" Yeah, come come at me, bro. She uh, like yeah. That totally
0: stood out to me. I was like, (laughs) huh, what a weird kind of decision to make, right? That's your boss (laughs) problem.
1: Apparently, this guy is running things, and you just decide you're going to sell him out. I
0: mean, that's a that's a strange tactic. And then just look at him and say, yeah, so what? (laughs) Bite me. Yeah, she doesn't care. No, and I think this is one shot actually, like one take because. Michelle leaves the office and then in come the detectives like right right after right like in one shot and the camera just pans back over with the detectives it's I think don't hold me to that film people (laughs) if you're right the film police if you're correct then it's in Boogie
1: Nights okay it's the opening (laughs) scene of Boogie Nights (laughs) hey this is all I mean
0: oh god yeah, there you go. They, they, and there's
1: a uh, modern auteur right there, of course, who 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 mm-hmm. went to film school and was probably reared on this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can see why everyone was so excited by it. I had a feeling that this was going to happen when when we decided to do this movie, and. I didn't realize it would kind of dominate our conversation the way it has just of like the techniques that were involved in this kind of
0: nerding out on it. Sure. Yeah.
1: Um, But it's it's completely natural because Mm -hmm. imagine what it was like in 1960 when you were in college and seeing this stuff. I mean, it probably just knocked you on your ass. Probably. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I would have loved to have been there, you know, in that community.
0: Well, we can't, Dave. I, 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 was we not, gotta,
1: I wasn't friends with Scorsese. We yeah. got to stay here. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. That, that sucks. Yeah, right? Of course it does. Yes. <laughs> See, he would be fun to hang out with, I bet.
1: Martin Scorsese? Yeah. Uh, w- without a doubt. I, I mm-hmm. know just in watching interviews with him, he seems like a hell of a guy. Mm-hmm. And he's not pretentious. Um, Yeah. I would love to be friends <laughs> with, with my man, Marty.
0: Yep. So do you think these two characters love each other? Or... Like, that's kind of what they're trying to figure out the mm-hmm. whole movie. Well, right. I think Michelle says he is in love with her, I think. Yes. But we don't know if he's just trying to get in her pants. Right. And then Patricia says she wants to try to figure out if she's in love with him. So yes. So hanging around the whole time. I don't think either of them are. And as we find out at the end, Patricia's not. Yes. Because ultimately she ends up calling the cops on Michelle and she tells him to his face, yeah, I called the cops on you. She know? turns on him, <laughs> yeah. right. Because I realized I'm not in love with you. And she probably also realized this guy's a dangerous criminal who killed a man and he wants <laughs> to flee the country. Yes. Well, maybe I should not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and there's, 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 there's not nothing wrong with her desiring this man. Um, No, that's what she
0: tells the detectives, right? She found him interesting.
1: Sure. She's young and she's uh, attractive and and she sees someone else who is also young and attractive. And even if he is dangerous, it still makes him kind of interesting uh, for her to decide and realize that she's not in love with this man and that she never could be in love with such a a guy who in in his, you know, deep down is a monster. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's. It's really kind of a feminist, a great feminist statement um, in a time when feminist statements were not made. Of, mm-hmm. hey, well, I'm not going to just ruin my life. I'm not going to flush my whole future down the toilet to, to to be with this guy who is
0: beneath me. Right, and she's not waiting around for this guy. No. She's making decisions. Yep. Uh, at one point, she tells him she's pregnant. She does. Was that a lie? I don't I can't know. remember. I,
1: I don't know if it was a lie or not. Um, because he asks, "Is it mine?" She yeah. says, "Uh, she." it might be it very well might be it could be the other guy that she's making time with Mm -hmm. um there's this there's this guy who like works at apparently like a tv studio or something um who she's you know like sort of involved romantically but is also professionally linked to him Mm -hmm. um there's that there's that other that that uh, author that she's interviewing on yeah you know I, i i i hope she wasn't you know
0: with him she was eyeing him, though. She was. This guy was disgusting, though. <laughs> the things he was saying, like,
1: yeah, he had a you know a weird philosophy.
0: Yeah, he was saying like women should stay in the kitchen and yep. things like that. A lot of very yeah. shit
1: kicking, you know, like old time pre-feminist stuff.
0: Yeah, it was pretty bad. But he says one thing that's cool. They they ask what his greatest ambition was, mm-hmm. and he said he takes a minute and pauses and thinks about, it, and he says to become immortal and then die. <laughs> Which oh, was pretty cool. That yes,
1: <laughs> that is that is every artist's dream, I would imagine. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, that's
0: that's Godard right there. Of course, dude, he's immortal now. Uh huh. Um, is he still alive? I don't know. I'm not sure. I want to say not. i want to say I, not. No too. one, no one, hold me to that. Don't exactly. police, please. Oh man, it's my second offense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, you know what, the, uh, like. I feel like we have done our homework on the movement itself, but like things like that always get to me. Like I don't yeah. know if Jean-Luc Godard is alive. Everybody, I'm sorry. And
0: honestly, I don't think most people care if I, we I have that knowledge on I, hand. I, probably not. Yeah. So this whatever. is
1: us feeling guilty for no reason. Damn it!
0: <laughs> this is a terrible episode. Now I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah. oh. Um, at this the beginning when he's running from the cops mm-hmm. and he pulls over. And this is when he's doing the fourth wall breaking and stuff. Yeah. And uh, he sees the cops and he's like, Oh, I'll I'll pull off the road and the cops go past him and then they turn around after him and he's got a flat tire. Yeah. And he finds a gun in the glove box and he shoots him. All this happens in about five to ten seconds mm-hmm. because of the way the editing's done. Uh it's all these jump cuts right. to like almost it's almost skipping the action. It's just going from the gun pointing and mm-hmm. then a cop going down. True. And, I mean, maybe he fires up, it, but it's it's cutting out so much of this scene. Yeah. It's over with in no time, which is so weird. It's such an odd choice. And I, I know his first cut of the movie was over two and a half hours long, and he had to cut it down. I didn't know that. Wow. So a lot of it was a practical decision to cut all these things out Okay But it also turned out To be a very You know Artistic Stylish thing That he did with the movie He made it work Wow So the editing here Is great And then There's editing later During dialogue sequences Yes Where it's just jumping Like to the next sentence Right It's like Maybe it cut out Some pauses or something and So it's really odd And almost jarring When it's doing this Because you're like That's not Movies don't do that Like no. is this a mistake <laughs> No, <laughs> but it's just—it was practical and it's also stylish.
1: Yeah, you're right. Because the first time it happens, yeah, you, you you think that your 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 tape is skipping, um, <laughs> right? But, yeah, You know,
0: it's it's uh,
1: <laughs> it's clearly a style. It's a stylistic choice. And when he does it, when uh when Patricia is is or when, when the guy that Patricia is is dealing with, uh, like to get that job, is talking, mm-hmm. and there's all those jump cuts when he's telling that story, it's almost cutting out each of his breaths. Between sentences. Ooh, he's
0: breathless. He's
1: breathless. Wow.
0: Is that film language? Did we just stumble across something? or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, because I think... Okay, the the literal translation is without a breath or something like that, or the last breath, something like that. Okay. Like, out of breath. Which could mean, like, the end of the film when Michelle dies from the gunshot. With his last breath, he tells her that Patricia makes him want to puke. Right. Um, I don't know if he's being ironic about it or if he's literally saying that because she just called the cops on him and now he's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which it could be. It could be either but, one. But it's his last breath he says that. So maybe that's he's also, what it is. He's also out of breath. He's because, out of breath.
1: Because because he's, I mean, not not because he's dead, <laughs> right, but, but yeah. because he's he's been running from the cops and he yeah. finally collapses because he doesn't have any more energy. Right. He's out of breath. He's breathless. Yeah. Um
0: good title yeah it oh yeah
1: it, it 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 tells the story <laughs> that's
0: what a title should do
1: of course he <laughs> should come up with a title first then work backwards you know that that's all the, the time of course that is the best technique <laughs> <laughs> no it's not
0: that was not a new wave no no uh, that was french technique no never um <laughs> okay and there's also a lot of close-ups yeah of people's faces and them touching their lips and stuff right looking right at the camera mm-hmm. i don't know what this is for but uh I thought I'd mention it. <laughs> I have nothing else to say about it. Listen,
1: man, I, I, I know it it's like like so, some stuff is whether it's a stylistic choice or not is inexplicable. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that Godard can't tell you why there's why there's you know one eighth seconds clips of someone scratching their mustache in close up. Yeah, it means nothing. It's just let's put some weird shit in here because we're already doing something that that hasn't been done before. So let's really freak out squares and and put stuff like this in. Yeah, you know,
0: breaking all the rules, man.
1: Exactly. All, all we care about is Humphrey Bogart and the Bohemian lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So so let's really let's really you know, do this and, uh-huh. and set fire to an industry that needed something to, you know, like jumpstart it. Let's mm-hmm. do it.
0: Yeah. Good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're kind of grabbing things out of thin air here. Do right. you have any more points to
1: talk about? Um, I guess just w- w- in, in talking about like just the, what w- once we decided to do this movie um, I, I, well it was on our schedule and we didn't talk. And then like er- earlier it was earlier in the week. We, we kind of confided in one another. Hey man, <laughs> uh, do you know anything about the French New Wave, really? And I was like, uh, well, sorry, I I really don't. So a little tiny bit, just but not, but- we we know that it exists, yeah, and we, and we know that it was important. And now we've seen what was you know like one of the you know part of the genesis of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in in reading more about it, I I've, I realized that like. I, I still have a hell of a lot to learn about it, but I wasn't totally in the dark because of people like Francois Truffaut. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I've, I've we've, we've seen the 400 Blows. I've mm-hmm. seen Day for Night. And I've seen, like, the, the work of, I mean... Louis Malle was also, you know, a big part of the French New Wave, and I've seen a ton of his movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you got Bridget Bardot and Catherine Deneuve. We've seen a lot of movies with them in them, even if it wasn't uh, the stuff that they were doing in the early '60s. So all these people, all these artists, have been in our filmmaking, uh, in our in our film viewing activity for Mm -hmm. a long time. Uh, We just need to find out where they started and really get to work because this is uh, like (laughs) a, a a film school in itself. Yep. So, would you recommend
0: the movie, Dave?
1: Yes. Yeah, I would recommend uh, Breathless. Um, okay. Yeah, for all the reasons we've talked about.
0: Okay. Um, I'm not going to recommend it, actually. It's important, but I don't think you need to watch this movie. I mean, Dave's looking at me like he's about to <laughs> strangle me. No, dude. He's I, out of he's <laughs> Breathless. Completely. I, I I don't know what to say. I, I was kind of bored with it, man. All right. um, Which sucks, because... You know, they're trying to go for this style, I guess, but okay, I don't feel like it's an essential movie to see. All right. Know about it. Yeah. Realize its importance. Yes. You don't have to watch it. Okay. There's probably other better French New Waves films to watch. Well, I mean, I I know that you enjoy the 400 Blows. Okay. Yeah. So Um, do that one. Yeah. Hey, that one, the Palme d'Or in 59. Of course. Yeah, it can. So go watch that one. Yeah. I don't know, and I mean, it's kind of like when talkies came around. Yeah, you know, you don't need to go see Al you know, Jolson in the jazz singer. Okay, now okay? I'm
1: with you there. You don't. You can skip the jazz. Singer, yeah, of course. like so. Yeah.
0: It, it's kind of the same here. Like, okay, okay, so this changed everything. I don't think you need to see it. Is it because we've worked backwards from like we we know what modern film is, so maybe we don't need to see its birth? It, it I, could be okay, but personally, I would say. You don't need to watch this movie. Okay. Just just know its importance. Sure. And you'll be good to go. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps up the show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe in iTunes and rate it and review it and share it mm-hmm. with all the French people and the American <laughs> people, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't use iTunes, go anywhere else you find a podcast. Or just go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there.
1: Yes, and we are also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, just search for Dudes on Movies and, and you'll find us. And we have um, an email address, dudesonmovies at gmail.com. I feel like I let down Dave, no, man. dude, it's, it's okay. At, oh. I, I was just, I was quite <laughs> taken aback. I was really surprised by this development.
0: Yeah, whatever. Yeah, So it happens. Stay tuned next week and you'll hear us talk about 1994's Crumb. Directed by Terry Zweigov. Mm-hmm. This is a documentary, right? That's Dave? right. That's right. It's our second one. It's a the number two documentary we've ever had, right? Yep. So until next week, I'm your dude Scott. I'm your dude Dave. And we'll see you next time.